Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I'm kind of a minority within a minority. I'm Dr. Shani Somara, an engineer term broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe that silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation, because I've come to realize that everyone's just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of mathematics. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. So, mathematics, huh? That's pretty, uh, to be studying something that pure and simple, well, not simple, but just pure in its label, mathematics is pretty, uh, impressive thank you (laughs) how's it going um it's going well I think um I just recently graduated with a an undergrad degree in math and I will be pursuing my PhD in mathematics starting this fall gosh oh wow I can't imagine what that would be like to um be studying something like that because when I was doing my PhD it was very mathematical but it was always linked to the real world being you know in engineering like what's a PhD in mathematics like? Um, So it's a lot more abstract um, Mm. obviously Um, and I think it's more like a lot of work with professors who are already in um, research various like niche fields um, for example I'm really interested in algebraic topology um, and so there are a lot of people that that research that and so I what I would do is after I pass my quals I would go and talk with them and then we would come up with more of like a joint research thing that I can go write a thesis on and it's a lot of brainstorming and reading and trying things and failing and trying more um from what I've heard it sounds very frustrating but then at the end it's very fulfilling um and yeah are you gonna have to come up with an answer by the end of your doctorate um I don't really think so I think you should most definitely have um gotten somewhere at least some headway (laughs) or you know this isn't really the right route we should take yeah um but think you need to like create a giant theorem or or anything like that no right and why did you choose to go into this subject were you always really good at it yes I was always really good at math um when I was going into my undergrad 
I was kind of like, okay, I'll go major in math as a placeholder until I figure out what I really want to do in Mm -hmm. life, just because I knew I was good at it. And then uh, I got sucked in my freshman year. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So. And why do you think you're good at math? Is it you were born with the talent or it grew as you grew? Um, I think a little bit of both. I've always been very analytical growing up. um, And that was just numbers have always fascinated me. And so um, I think it also stems from I've always had really good math teachers. Right. And so, um, for example, my brother, I have a twin brother and he's also uh, about to graduate uh, with stats Mm -hmm. as an undergrad. Oh, wow. Um, He, yeah. So he had a little bit of a different story with math. He kind of struggled in it and we had very different teachers because I was in the AP stuff and he was. Um, more just with our grade and I I think that I just got very lucky with really really incredible teachers and they really pushed me to um, learn a lot and I I just enjoyed being in their classroom and so I think I enjoyed the subject a lot more and he didn't really like the teachers so I think he didn't really like math as much and then in college it just changed. (laughs) Oh my gosh this is absolutely fascinating you're a twin and your twin is male. Yes. So this is a perfect case study. <laughs> um, so you're, you know, you're, are you, first of all, are you two kind of identical? No, um, we look very different. I, he's very tall. And I say, I think I'm like average height. I have brown hair, brown eyes, and he has very blonde hair and bright blue eyes. And we're just, we just looks very different. Okay. And so, um, cause you know, they always talk about nature nurture. Um, mm-hmm. would you say that you were both born with the same sort of like nurturing, uh, in terms of your encouragement into maths? I think so. Um, my parents are, they're very supportive of both of us and, and, They've really been pushing us to um, do what we want, and we both have always wanted to go to graduate school, and so they're extremely supportive um, in like the school sense. I think um, a little bit of the fact that we're twins kind of um, impacts us in a way where we're very competitive in with each other, mm, yeah. especially because we're in the same classes. For the most part, same schools. We also went to the same college, same university, and oh. yeah. So I think we, the, my parents, were very supportive, but they also really condoned a very competitive relationship, which probably mm-hmm. isn't the best in the long run. Yeah, I've got twin sisters, um, oh. so they're five years younger than me, and to be honest, I've always kind of not envied the fact that they've always had someone to compare themselves to. Yeah, it can, it can be frustrating at times. Um, I'm sure he doesn't enjoy it too much because I did graduate in four years and he's taking his fifth year, which there's no problem in that at all. But 
I think that he doesn't like that his twin sister has graduated in four years and he hasn't. Um, you know, I have a full-time job now. And so it, it does create a little bit of a, a rift between us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that once we both get in graduate school at the exact same time, we're going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, what do you think caused the different paths in life? Did you have the same teachers all throughout? Not the exact same teachers, but we did. Um, I think we start stopped having the same teachers maybe in like fifth grade. We were in this. Well, no, actually, we did have the same teachers. We were just because we rotated in that uh, in like middle school. Um, probably mm. junior high. It was when we actually had our own specific set of teachers. Right. So I'm wondering. Did you get lucky that you got really inspiring maths teachers and he didn't? Or were you interested in math and ended up kind of just finding inspiration yourself because you just had a natural attraction to the subject? Um, I never really thought about it that way. I guess it could be a little bit of both. I do think some of his teachers weren't the most inspiring of teachers but also I did push myself a lot harder to learn and I went outside of school to try Ah. to talk to you know the teachers and understand and and he didn't really do that um yeah why do you think he didn't do that um I think he was very lazy in high school uh he he kind of had the mindset that he was incredibly smart because he is very very intelligent but he doesn't mm-hmm. really apply himself um and he kind of just skated by with that until college hit and then he realized he actually had to apply himself to make good grades so he's, he's changed his ways now right it's so fascinating my gosh so from what I'm hearing of your experiences it's like yes it's important to have the talent but you worked hard and you did that extra legwork to get good in a subject. Like you were putting in extra time to pursue something. Yeah, and, just because I knew that I really enjoyed it. So I, why not, you know? Yeah. So just out of interest, what is your brother good at? Or is he... Because it sounds like his attitude was, you know, I'm I'm intelligent, I'm good at something, I'm actually just going to let that do its magic, um, and that will be enough. Whereas it seems like you had the attitude of, no, I'm good at something, but I'm going to work hard at it. Is that fair to say? Yes, I think that's fair. Um, he He's one of those people that has a very general just smart he's just he can understand things very quickly um and so he was really good at physics and he initially came in as a physics major um just because he could pick that up very very easily Mm. and so he just skated by he did extremely well on like the standardized tests so sat act he did really really well Mm -hmm. um but once again not applying himself he didn't go to you know an amazing amazing school because he waited too long and sent in his test scores way too late. And so he didn't get accepted the first round. So he had to wait a semester and then get reaccepted. Mm. And so it's like he's 
extremely intelligent, but yeah, he just doesn't apply himself. Gosh. Or he didn't. He didn't. That is such an important lesson to all of us because I think um, certainly in the educational system in the UK, often students feel like they need to be born with a talent and there's less um, education about the fact that it's not just about being born with a talent, it's also about hard work. Um, And for some reason, it sounds like you really understood that and he less so. Yeah, I don't know why, because we had the same upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really interesting. I wonder if that's like a, I mean, I hate to sort of blame the whole gender argument, but it is really fascinating that with a similar upbringing, you know, being raised in the same family, that one person's attitude could be about, well, I'm smart, so that will see me through. And then another person's attitude is, I'm smart and I'm going to work hard at this. And that's kind of made you excel is such an inspiring message. Do you think it's fair to say that? Yeah, no, I think it's fair. I'm I'm just, yeah, I'm trying to think now about how that could be, because it is very interesting. Mm. I've never really thought about it in that sense before. I wonder if it was also, it could be a mixture of that and maybe our personalities. Because I know when we would grow up, my, if my dad or my mom would ask him to do something, he he would always tell me, you know, behind their back, say, and he would say, if you don't want to do it, just do it really badly and they won't ask you to do it ever again. Mm-hmm. And so then he would go to me and ask me to do something and then I would just be like, okay. And then I would just do it the best that I can do because I wouldn't think, oh, I don't want to do it. I would think they want me to do something, I'll do it for them. And so it could be just... That's very interesting. Yeah, really, really interesting. Because, you know, when I was growing up, I always um, felt like I was never smart enough. Um, You know, I wasn't always the top of the class. And, um, you know, I was, I found school challenging. Um, But the way my parents raised me was, look, you don't need to be super gifted in the subjects you need to get into STEM but you if you work hard you can still get to the same destination as someone that is gifted and so as a result I ended up working really really hard and you know getting to where I needed to get to but I mean my gosh I I did nothing but work non-stop um and so I really understand your mentality Um, But it's really interesting hearing about someone that is gifted and intelligent and just doesn't apply themselves and how much that can make a person not excel. I don't want to, I don't want to generalize, but I do feel that maybe it is more of a female characteristic to say, you know what, I'm just going to work really hard. I wonder if it is a female trait to just accept that hard work is something that we have to do. Maybe, especially because I feel like at times, especially in STEM, with it being male-dominated, um, sometimes, I, mean, I don't know if you feel like this, but I have to feel 
Like I work extra hard just to be as recognized as my male peers, um, just to at least. Oh, that's so interesting. Be equal, and so maybe it was just like you know, my parents they love us both very much, but we've both know from a very young age that you know my mom had him as a favorite and my dad had me as a favorite and then you know the mom like she runs the household so really it was more like he was the favorite of everyone so I would have to work extra hard to be like hey you know look at me you know I'm I'm just as good um and I think that kind of just carried me throughout life just like hey look at me I'm as good as, as these guys over here oh wow that is so interesting yeah Totally. Um, what are your parents like? Are they in STEM? No, actually, they are both um, in criminal justice. Oddly enough, my dad, he just retired. He was a state trooper. And my mom is a psychologist at the women's prison in our hometown. Oh, interesting. So were they um, sources of inspiration for you? Or did you get inspiration elsewhere I would say yes they they were pretty inspiring my mom um she's a master's and I think just from a young age they would always just push us to be as good as we can in academics for example when we were younger if we would because they knew we were very smart and if we weren't trying as hard as we could um and we would get you know a bad grade but they knew it was because we were just didn't do our homework or something, then, you know, we would get in trouble. And so that would kind of make us like force us to be like, no, we have to take school seriously so we don't get in trouble. And then, you know, it grew more into both mainly me. I think my brother, uh, he kind of slacked and they would eventually just let him slack. And so that's also where that kind of instilled a little bit more. But I also had this internalized thing where I have to do as good as I can because, you know, that's just, what I want to do I want to I, I like to push myself I want to see how good I can become and and what I can do and how far I can go um and so it, I think it was a mixture of them being so supportive and they're both extremely smart people as well and um everyone like my schools and just me pushing myself and I remember when I was like really young I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no idea I wanted to go into math. I, I didn't know anything, but I did know that I wanted to get a PhD. I was like, that's it. I want to go as far as I possibly can go right. and learn as much as I possibly can yeah. learn. And that was like my life goal. Yeah, I totally relate to that ambition. But I mean, you can always be a professor. That's true. Would you want to go that far? Um, I'm thinking about that now because in college I was a TA and I absolutely loved it. I loved working mm-hmm. with um, at the other college students and, and teaching and, and holding office hours and all that. And then um, I got this job in finance mm-hmm. and it's a, you know, for a big company. And I was like, oh, you know, I can't turn that down. Yeah. So I knew I was going to go into the industry and then probably go back and get go to graduate school and get my PhD. Um, but this kind of year is more of a taste of, do I want to go into the industry post-grad or do I want to stay in academia? And I'm, 
I'm really leaning towards staying in academia because oh, I really? do not like finance. <laughs> oh, really? Why? Um, it's a very different atmosphere. It could also be the, the team that I'm on. It, I'm on um, trades, so I work with a lot of traders and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's great for some people. It's very fast-paced, very, very competitive. Um, like they, they're not afraid to cut you down. Mm. If you make a mistake, like they will showcase it to everyone because they want to eventually, you know, be the top trader, be, you know, go higher and higher. And I don't want to be a trader and I've not known that. So it's kind of just like, this environment isn't for me. Yeah. So the money doesn't tempt you? Not really. No. Interesting. No. Yeah. 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 Because with qualifications in math like you are such hot stuff you know particularly for um very lucrative um careers so really the world is your oyster um but it doesn't sound like you're driven by materialism no i would say that's that's very true i'm not really driven by that so what does drive you then um I love learning. I think that, and I've, I've been asked this before about, you know, what, what, I, what I want to do with my life if you take out all pay, you know, like none of that matters at all. Just what do you want yeah. to do? And my answer is always like, I would want to be a student for the rest of my life because I just love learning. <laughs> I think it's just, you, you can never, you know, stop learning. If my brain isn't working or, you know, being used in any capacity, I just, I get really sad. And I didn't realize that until I started working because the job, especially the first, you know, couple of months was a lot of learning to understand the industry, especially because I don't have a business background. So it was a lot of learning. Mm. But then when I got the, those like daily tasks down and I can, now I can go to work and go on autopilot and just not think all day. And I would go home Mm. and be so sad because I'm not thinking and I didn't know that it that was why yeah. until randomly I went out with some of my friends we went to um, a happy hour to support our friend who is he was bar- being a guest bartender raising money for um, cancer research so we we're you mm-hmm. know there talking to him it was great and for some reason getting my PhD got brought up and one of my peers is just like go do it and I was like okay and for some reason that lit a fire under my butt I immediately went home and I got out my Princeton math GRE subject book and I started reading and I was just so happy and that's when I realized like okay yeah (laughs) I need to go back like right now (laughs) oh gosh I totally understand you I get you so much like I I just completely understand where you're coming from like learning, evolving, growing, you know, and, and contributing to humanity's development in our understanding of the world we live in is, is just such a driver for me too. Um, I also don't want to ever stop learning. And so I really understand where you're coming from. And, and often people are like, but you know, what about, making money and you know having a sort of I don't know like a lifestyle where you can have anything you want it's like who cares as long as you've got enough to live a comfortable life like what yeah you know yeah I just 
Yeah, I totally get it. What have your colleagues on your course been like? Um, they were great. A lot of, most of them were male and then a, um, a few female and, uh, they were all just really great people. They were, especially you know, when you get into more upper level courses, you know, you, you see the same people, um, because you're getting more in depth into your major and the math department isn't the biggest department on campus. So we really had a community. And um, it was it was really, really good because we would go, we all had similar course schedules, similar classes, and we would go into our math lounge in our math department that mainly only math majors would, you know, either know about mm. and would go study. And we would just hang out there and just learn math. Like we would teach each other from um, our other courses and we would ask each other questions and it was really just like a no judgmental, it was, you know, room and it was, it was really a good environment. It was great. It doesn't sound like the gender issue was even a thing for you. It's like, yeah, they're male. So what kind of stuff? Yeah, I didn't really, I don't think I see it as um, really that gender issue. I've never really seen that. Um, from peers, oddly enough, not in math specifically. In my work, in my job, yes, yeah. I do see that most definitely. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yes. But in... Um, Why is there a difference in industry compared to academia? I'm not sure. I think that maybe I got lucky in undergrad and we just had really, really good group of people. I met their people um, or it is very different because in like in school it felt like a community and felt like we were in it together we were all struggling together but in Mm. uh, my job it's it's competitive so it's very much like I don't like I don't care at all about you and a lot of some of them would say stuff like oh you're a woman that's that's the only reason why you're here because my job is really driving getting 50-50 and getting women in, mm. they would oh, I hate that, yeah. that and say, mm. I'm here because I'm a woman. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, that's not. How did you cope with that? Um, I just kind of like internalize it, like brush it off. I don't react, but also like in a way internalize it and light a fire and just like, I'm going to prove you wrong. You know, like one day I'm going to, take your job like that that's kind of that it would like it drives me a lot more yeah you know just like to show you like no I worked for this like yes I'm a woman um, and they look at me because I'm the only woman on this floor so obviously I'm going to draw attention but it's how you use that attention that's very important I could with all these eyes I could crumple under the pressure but I don't, yeah. I, you know, I perform, I outperform. And so that's why I'm here. And um, so I just try to show it through my work. Gosh, I wish I'd had your attitude when I was in engineering. <laughs> because it is a lot of pressure when um, you're getting those kinds of comments. Um, you know, it can really make one doubt. Um, oneself 
and it can also make you question whether you should be in this industry at all. First of all, it sounds like academia has just been such a nurturing, uh, fertile place to grow. And industry has not been like that. So do you reckon that's why you're going back to do a PhD? or Because there is also the combination of doing a PhD whilst working. Like you can be a sponsored PhD student. Is that something you ever considered? Not really. I know that um, some of the senior managers would suggest something like that. But I think that I want to be solely focused on getting my PhD um, rather than having, you know, a split responsibilities. I feel like maybe that would overwhelm me too much or I just wouldn't get um, what I'm really looking for out of a PhD, you know, get that environment, get those connections and, and really immerse myself yeah. in math. In, you know, in the subject that I want to go into. Yeah, I mean, actually, on that note, like, you, um, your work and doing a PhD in maths does sound extremely creative. Would you say that's true? Um, yeah, I think that math is, is creative. I've never really thought of myself as creative, but I do, I do also think math is creative, oddly enough. I would agree with that. Yeah. Having to come up with ideas, new theories, thinking differently, laterally. I mean, once you do get your PhD, what's the plan after that? Um, I'm thinking about, yeah, probably being a professor, staying mm. in uh, academia in that realm. Maybe continuing research if I you know, absolutely love something. Um, I think that would be probably the best spot for me, especially with seeing how the industry is. Um, it's, it's great, but it's not somewhere that I, I think I can grow as much as I could, you know. Well, let me ask that again. Do you think industry has a place for women in STEM subjects? I think they're trying to. I think they're, yeah, it's a lot. It's very difficult. Um, and I can see from senior management that, you know, they are trying. And, and for example, the other day, one of um, them said that, you know, they're being encouraged to have, you know, 50-50 in new hires as women, um, women and men. And they would just, they would just be so upset. Cause they're like, well, I only have like 10% of the applicants are women. So how am I supposed, like, do I just hire all of them and then only match that 10% with the men? How do I, um, so I think they're trying, but, um, it's, it's very scary as well for women to apply just because it is so male dominated and very cutthroat and, mm. um, and very competitive, uh, and, I would say, you know, men do have somewhat of an upper hand because there's so many other men and they'll just talk about sports and they'll just, it'll be a, it's a boys club. If you want to talk about sports, mm, it's noticed. Yeah. It's not a boys club. It's not a fun banter. It's like, oh, she wants to talk about sports because we're talking about sports. Mm. Yeah, it's so awkward. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how can we really resolve it? I, 
I, I just, I really don't know what to tell people when they ask, like, how can we achieve gender parity um, in, in STEM subjects? Because I'm like, because it can't be easy listening to people say, oh, you're only here because you're trying, we're trying to increase the quota of women. Like, who wants to sort of work in an environment like that? you know mm-hmm. um and and often in my podcasts the conclusion is that it's not female attitudes we need to change it's actually male attitudes towards us um so what oh, yeah. how would you advise male how would you advise men um from your experiences to uh encourage more women to pursue their STEM dreams? Um, I would say just be honestly kind and supportive. That goes so far because there are so many people that are very kind and very supportive that I work with. And there are a lot of people that aren't and, you know, they would make those comments because maybe they're just, um, their ego is hurt because I got complimented more than they did or, you know, something like that, or I'm doing better than them. So they have to cut me down. But if they turn it around and said, you know, Oh, like great job. Like that's it. That just that alone would be so like, that would be amazing. You know, just being supportive and being kind and treating us like your coworkers (laughs) because that's what we are. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why do you think they don't? What's stopping them from being kind and supportive? I think some of it is they're intimidated, um, most definitely. And I think it could also stem from, oh, but this is a male job and you're here and you're doing it better. Like, what? You know, and I think it's maybe it's also their environment that they've been around. They think, oh, yes, this is men should do this. um, So she should not be here and they just go with it or um, it could be so many different things. Yeah. I mean, listening to you, it sounds, and also mixing my own experiences in there, it really does feel actually that men shut us out because they're threatened by us, which is fascinating because, you know, physically we are the sort of weaker sex generally um and yet given what is potentially between our ears it can be very threatening for men oh yeah i think also it goes to um how everything is transitioning to getting more equality um and maybe they're thinking oh she's gonna have a lot more opportunities than me i need to cut her down so then she won't have those opportunities and I can have them that could also play a part but what's crazy is that we're always up for less opportunity generally um and it's like it's not even that we're given equal opportunity we're given less opportunity than most uh people because I don't know, like we have to consider other things. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. with starting a family, 
um, generally, you know, women have to take nine ma- nine months out to grow that baby in their bodies. <laughs> like that mm-hmm. is not a compromise. We can't just say, oh, you know, the guy will do it. It's like we absolutely have to take that time out. And career-wise, it can be really difficult fitting that in. What are your... Um, First of all, what are your sort of plans on that side of things? Like, are you hoping one day you might have a family? Um, not really. I don't, I can't foresee myself having children. Um, I'm sure maybe that will change in the future. But right now, I can't really imagine myself having that just because Um, And I think also this goes into how we do have to take time off and be with our kids and raise them and all that stuff. And, um, and I don't feel like I would want to take that time away because I do want to do all these Mm. things in my life. And I feel like I wouldn't be able to spare enough time to like really pour into Mm. another human being. And so I'm not really planning on that. That's so interesting. Yeah. Because I think we've also, you know, generations before your generation, um, there was an expectation that women should have kids. Like it wasn't even a question of whether you wanted them or not. It was like expected of women. And I think that's really affected their career choices. But maybe in your generation, how old are you, by the way? I'm 22. Right. So like maybe in your generation... It's like, you know, you can do whatever makes you happy. Um, And so it's really refreshing to hear someone that doesn't have that guilt of previous generations in having to have a family and stuff like that. Um, Do you think mathematics could fulfill you then for the rest of your life? I think so. I think with the environment that usually comes with it, um, most definitely it's very, from what I've seen, it's, uh, it's collaborative. Yes, it is, you know, competitive in a way, but I think it's, a, it's a different kind of competition, um, rather than, you know, I, I will you know, cut you down immediately just to get a little bit of praise. Um, it's, it's more of just like, I don't want to share my secrets with you just in case, you know, you use them to, to create this gigantic, beautiful theorem. Um, but I, I do think it has a really good community. Mm. Yeah. You do sound highly evolved, I must say. I mean, you know, it's just so fascinating that you can go into industry and get that kind of experience and just go, yeah, you know what, this isn't for me. I want to go back to academia. I mean. I feel like I'm talking to a true, true mathematician, like where mathematics is running through your veins. <laughs> Maybe one day. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Does it consume your life? Oh, I yes. I love math so much. Um, I went, so I before I took the math subject, Jerry, for the past like maybe for the first three months I was working every day I would go home and I would get home at like 8 9 p.m and I would study for at least an hour just 
I would sit down and because that, that's what would get me through really the day is like, I have to go home and I have a purpose and I have to study. And so I would go home and that's what I would do mm. and I'd go to bed and I'd, I'd be happy the next day. And it was great. Yeah. It sounds like you were having fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those were the, the best parts of my days because <laughs> work was, work was rough. And so those were, those were my breaks <laughs> when I would go study. Oh, wow. I mean, do you know other girls like you? Like, or were you very different at school amongst your female peers? Um, I do know a few people that, a few women that are like me, but I would say that, that we were a little bit different than some of the other, other girls. Um, we really... It was mainly one other woman that um, was really like me, and she's getting her PhD in math right now, um, and she's amazing. We would just cling to each other. We would we would hang out all the time and just study. Like we both had giant whiteboards in our rooms, and we would take them to the other's house and just like <laughs> work and, and study and um, just hang out. And some of the other girls they didn't really want to do that. They would you know want to go talk to boys and do all this stuff and. And we, us two, would just be like, oh, that's, that's so awesome. Like, that's great. And then we would just go in a room and start studying. <laughs> Gosh, you're so lucky to have found each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, we've really pushed each other. Yeah. She's- Why do you think girls don't go into math? I'm not sure. Because I never really felt like I shouldn't go into math. I've always, my, you know, my parents have always been encouraging um, so I'm not too sure about that. Maybe it is scary. Maybe they want to do, um, they think math is just, I've, I've gotten so many comments about people would ask how, you know, um, what research is there in math? Because math is just math. It's just calculus that you learn in high school and this, there's nothing more to it. Um, and maybe that's what they think because you know, I never learned what a proof was. I didn't know what a proof was until college. So how would I know what true mathematics is? Um, so maybe they have never seen anything like that, so they didn't know they were interested in it. I'm not entirely sure. I think it's great. I don't know where you go. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you never kind of question the fact that you weren't in the majority? Not really. I didn't think about it. Um, I just, I never, I think at one point I did notice it. I was in an analysis course and I did realize I was the only woman um, out of like 15 students. I was the only woman there. And so I was like, oh, this is very interesting because I've never been just me. It's, you know, there's always been that, that one other girl or, or you know, someone around. Mm-hmm. Um but I remember that one. That was, I think it was junior year. And I, that was, when I think, when I realized, like, oh, okay, I am a little odd for being the only, like, this is, I see now. But before that, I just, I ne- never paid attention. I just, you know, I didn't think about it. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting to me. Like, a lot of us are so keen on being part of a group and being part of a crowd and to be popular and have friends and, you know, sort of 
um, be liked and loved and you seem to want other things and I just find that so fascinating that you're not um, I mean tell me if I'm wrong but it seems like you're not bothered about what other people think of you yeah I would say that's that's for the most part true I do care um, obviously you know like Mm. family and friends and um, most definitely I care about you know, my superiors in a way. So like people that I I just extremely respect because, you know, I just think, oh, you are so intelligent. I will, I know that, you know, I want Mm. you to think that I'm intelligent as well. You know, I do care in that sense. Um, But also it has changed a little bit. So um, whenever I was a freshman, I I remember, um, so I actually came in as biology major because my dad made me change because he thought I was a people person and so I was like okay you know I'll respect you I'll change because he was helping me through college so you know I'm gonna give my best shot um I shadowed someone and I passed out because I saw blood so we figured biology is not my route (laughs) and so I was allowed to go back to math until I figured something else out um Mm. and so I remember when switching I talked to a math advisor and um the advisor told me that I wasn't smart enough to get a PhD. So, and I was, I had a 4.0 too. And she told me I wasn't smart enough to get a PHD. I shouldn't even try to go into pure mathematics. And so that like really hit me hard because it was an advisor. She's seen so many people. Um, she was an yeah. old person, so she's been there for so long. So I, that hit me hard. And then mm. when I went. Was she wrong? Given everything I've heard of you, she just sounded plain wrong. Oh yeah, I think she's wrong. <laughs> I think that I am intelligent enough to to get a PhD, or at least you know I'm I'm gonna try my hardest. Mm. Um, but at that time, I didn't think she was wrong. It got you know really in my head. Um, and then when I went home that summer, I got into a fatal car accident, and the doc and I you know couldn't walk for three months, and it was a neck brace for three months. And the doctors told me repeatedly that I was extremely lucky to be alive and that I was meant to do something because like, that's how close they were. They're like, you're meant to do something because you should be dead right now. And so like after that, yeah, I was like, this is it. I'm going to not care what people think, what if they think I'm not smart, if they, you know, they think I can't handle it and I'm just going to go for it. And and so that's, I think that's where my mentality is now. Wow. Got goosebumps. Yeah. That attitude shift sounds like it changed everything. Yes, you had a car accident and that was the moment where things changed, but really it was your attitude shift that that changed things. Oh yeah, most definitely. I wouldn't have the job I have right now if I didn't have that accident it didn't have that that attitude change because I wouldn't have thought that I would be good enough to Mm. actually get the job because it is a big corporation so I would not have applied and I did apply because I was like you know sure we'll see what happens and now I have the job (laughs) just because of that so what is that attitude because it sounds like you are unstoppable like if you want something you're gonna get it like 
what is that attitude? Because I, I want to have it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, it's more of just I know what I want out of life. I have very set goals, and I'm not going to let someone deter me from getting them. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work hard and just to, you know, achieve my goals because um, whenever I set my mind, you know, I, I said it's, it's not, you know, for example, PhD, it's to me, it's not like, oh, you know, I will eventually get it. Maybe I'll get it. It's like, no, I'm going to have my PhD. Like it's just settled. Mm-hmm. Like I know I'm going to have it. It's just, you know, now I have to work for that, but it's going to happen. And how do you get through other people's negativity and kind of people trying to drag you down? Like what powers you through? I think them being negative um, kind of powers me in and of itself in a way. It, it generally makes me frustrated because I feel like I'm, you know, I'm intelligent. I feel like I can do these things. So why are you telling me that I can't? And so like that and it yeah. frustrates me and then it's going to push me harder. Yeah, it's so important that you have that because, you know, even today I still get um, other people's attitudes where they're like, nah, you'll never make it, you'll never do it, you'll never try it, you'll never be able to, you know, you shouldn't do it, you're a woman. You know, it's just like, and it's kind of like dragging lead weights around with you. And like, for me, I've always kind of, I've put more effort in trying to shake off other people's doubt and negativity than I've had to shake off my own doubt and negativity. Like I've often believed in myself when nobody else would. And, um, but I must say it does make me extremely frustrated and angry sometimes where I'm like, ah, why does the whole world think I can't do this when I know I can? Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's really got to me to the point where I'm like, maybe I should just give up. I'm going to give up, you know, and then, you know, something just switches in me where I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to prove people wrong. Like what kind of process have you gone through when people just haven't backed you up? I think it would, it would most definitely be similar. It's, um, yeah. If someone was like, no, you can't, sorry, you can't do that. I don't think you're capable of doing that. Like you, you shouldn't even try. Um, I usually just get really frustrated and then that turns to like anger. It's like, no, why would you tell me that? That's, that makes no sense. You're not speaking coherently. That doesn't make any sense at all. And sometimes I'll say that in a, in a nice way. I was like, I don't believe that at all. Or, you know, I'll just say like, Oh, you know, thank you for letting me know. Um, and then go home and then just research whatever, you know, look more into what I want to do or, or, you know, vent to my mom and then my mom's really supportive so she'll just be like okay go do it and I'm like okay (laughs) I'll go do it yeah Uh, I guess it is really important to have someone in your corner right oh yeah yes most definitely my parents are so supportive and I think it would be um a much harder journey if they weren't so supportive Mm. yeah okay so it's clear that it's really important to have like a support network or at least someone that believes in you and someone you can kind of go to to get pumped when you're feeling a little bit um weary 
But what else would you advise, like if you were to give any other girls in STEM advice, like what would you advise that they do to excel in what they've chosen? Um, I would say most definitely find like a mentor or someone. And that's, that's what I did my freshman year. I had a calculus professor and immediately I, you know, he, his class was what drew me in to math. And so after that semester, every single semester, if I had a question um, about a course or anything, I would go to him and he would explain things because he knew how I learned. And um, then that developed into an actual like mentor mentee relationship. And, you know, then I became, became his TA and, and he's, you know, writing rec letter for me and, um, and it's, it's grown. And so I think that it's important to, to find someone that's also around you that knows the industry, knows like where you're going to, knows, you know, what subject you want to go mm-hmm. into, what, what have you, um, that can really advise you properly because he most definitely is like, no, I think that this avenue probably isn't the best fit just because this, this, and that. And then you can take that advice in and um, process it. And obviously you make your own decision, but I think it is, I think it would, I would advise to try to find someone mm. that you could talk to that would yeah. help you. Yeah. I think, Sometimes there's this assumption that girls in STEM need women in STEM mentors and role models. Um, But that hasn't been the case for a lot of my guests, where they say that the people that they really looked up to were just great people. It didn't matter if they were male or female. Yeah, I agree with that. Because at the end of the day, and, you know, hopefully eventually there will be equality and, and you won't really see, like, specifically, oh, I need to search for a, a female so then we, you know, we can connect in that sense. Um, I, I don't think it should really matter who your mentor is because as long as you have someone in your corner and you and you have someone looking out for you, I think that's really what matters. And someone that inspires you, I think the inspiration is a lot more important than than ensuring, you know, that you find someone female or, or someone, you know, if you're male to male, like to, to match you. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a really important point to make because often if um, young women in particular have male mentors, um, there's this kind of raised eyebrow like, oh, you know, she's looking up to a male mentor, like maybe there's something going on there. And it's like, I think, first of all, there is that risk that, you know, it might not be a very, um, a connection that has integrity. Um, But is, so there is that danger, right? But I think it's really important for young women to seek out people that truly inspire them on a purely platonic basis and there are men out there and women that exist that can just really inspire and that is it oh yeah no I I agree 
do you think that you've ever been in danger of being taken advantage of as a young enthusiastic woman in STEM? Um, I don't really think so, but also I don't really put as much weight on things, I guess. Um, nothing's ever like, I've never been in an uncomfortable situation, Mm. which I am very grateful for. I think I can easily see how someone could be, you know, as naive and, and as, excited as I am about everything um I most definitely can see how that situation could happen but mm-hmm. I'm very grateful it, it has never happened I've never been uncomfortable never been in a situation like that yeah I mean listening to you is it's just been so inspiring because I really feel like you genuinely love what you do And that you're at an age where you're genuinely exploring your options and figuring out what you want for your life. I mean, it's such an exciting time. And also at your tender age, I'm I'm also hearing the importance of choosing your mentors wisely and carefully, but making sure you do have people that are in your corner who can lead the way. Uh, but also back you up on your decisions and believe in you. Um, But what I found most fascinating about talking to you today is the fact that you have such a strong sense of who you are and what you want. And that seems to have been your biggest guiding light. Um, How does that sound as a sort of like, summary of the kind of person you are I mean you know yourself better than anyone else so I would I think I would agree with that Uh, I'm still you know obviously trying to figure out who I am but I think that you know I'm still very young as well so there's so much more to learn but Mm -hmm. I really feel like I have learned a lot about myself and, and I'm and more than just like learning about myself, I'm okay with myself. I don't, you know, think, oh, well, I like this, like, dang, you know, why, why I should like this and not that, or, or you know, what have you. I, I'm, I'm more, I'm very accepting of myself mm-hmm. and happy with myself. And I think that goes a long way. Because I know a lot of people, and I'm still, you know, obviously struggling with that in a way, but I think I've, I've, I'm fairly happy with with everything about myself, which is, um, I think, very important. What an absolutely beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. That's it from my STEM guest this week. What an incredible message to end the episode. And that is a message of really, truly accepting yourself as who you are today. You know, we can all have ambitions, we can all have dreams for what we want to achieve in the future. But if you don't have um, an acceptance of who you are in this present moment, you don't really have the power to drive you forward. And so in listening to my guest today, I've really taken home that message, which is that love yourself for who you are in this moment and you will never, ever fail to be happy and content with your life today. Thank you so much for listening. 
Don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on Silence. <laughs>